Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with the latest developments in the Kenyan financial markets. However, due to the interconnected nature of the global economy, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global markets so as to provide you with a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the local markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in financial markets, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That is why I created the Market Color Podcast to collate and analyze the data on your behalf and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. This podcast may also be useful to fund managers and investors, professionals in the financial services sector, business owners and leaders, as well as Kenyans in the diaspora who are looking for investment opportunities back at home. This week, we are reviewing the performance of the Kenyan markets during the 42nd week of 2022. That is from Monday the 17th to Friday the 21st of October. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamuhuri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the UK, where according to estimates published by the Office for National Statistics, the United Kingdom's inflation rate, as measured by the Consumer Price Index, rose 10.1% in the month of September and matches the 40-year high for British inflation that was recorded in July this year. The country's cost-of-living crisis continues to devastate families and businesses ahead of what is expected to be a tough winter season given the rising costs of fuel for heating homes. The UK Prime Minister Liz Truss resigned on Thursday following a failed tax-cutting budget that rocked financial markets and led to a revolt within her own Conservative Party. Truss was in office for just 44 days, making her the shortest-serving prime minister in British history. Truss was brought down by an economic program that sent shockwaves through the markets and shattered the country's reputation for financial stability. In the U.S., the budget deficit for the fiscal year 2022 has declined by more than 50% to $1.37 trillion compared to 2021 when the deficit was $2.77 trillion. In the past two years, the deficits had risen sharply as the U.S. Congress shelled out massive stimulus packages to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. Staying in the U.S., according to credit card company American Express, U.S. consumers have demonstrated a willingness to continue paying higher prices in the face of a sluggish economy. 
On Friday, American Express reported a stronger-than-expected earnings and revenues for the third quarter of 2022 and say that overall customer spending increased by 21% year-over-year, driven by growth in goods and services, as well as travel and entertainment. In the U.S. stock market, stocks rose on Friday as Wall Street closed a volatile week on a high note, despite some disappointing earnings reports and prospects of further rate hikes by the Federal Reserve. The Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 749 points to close at 31,082, while the S&P 500 rose 2.37% to 3,752, and the Nasdaq Composite added 2.31% to 10,859. For the week, the Dow, the S&P 500, and the Nasdaq gained by 4.9%, 4.7%, and 5.2%, respectively. In the U.S. bond market, on Friday, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note hit a fresh 14-year high of 4.33% before correcting to close the week at 4.22%. Meanwhile, the yield on the policy-sensitive 2-year Treasury note fell about 12 basis points to 4.48%. The 30-year Treasury yield, which is key for mortgage rates, jumped up 12 basis points to 4.33%. The Wall Street Journal on Friday reported that some Fed officials were growing uneasy with the current pace of rate hikes and were starting to worry about the risks of over-tightening. Markets have already locked in a 75 basis point rate hike in the month of November. However, expectations for a similar hike in December have begun to diminish on the back of these concerns. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil held steady as investors weighed the impact of continued rate hikes on energy consumption, which is offsetting hopes of higher demand as well as output cuts by OPEC. China, which is the largest importer of crude oil, has maintained its zero-COVID-19 policy by implementing strict lockdowns, which have weighed heavily on business activity and in the process lowered the demand for fuel. On the other hand, oil has gained support from a European Union ban on Russian oil, as well as the output cuts agreed upon earlier this month by the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. Brent crude was up 32 cents to 92.70 U.S. dollars per barrel, while the U.S. benchmark WTI, that's West Texas Intermediate, rose by 24 cents to $84.75 a barrel. Marban oil, which Kenya imports, decreased to $93 a barrel, from $93.96 the previous week. On currencies and exchange rates, the sterling pound edged lower on Friday as investors digested the news that the British Prime Minister had resigned after just six weeks in office. The pound initially rallied after the resignation to trade above 1.13 versus the US dollar before dipping to 1.1215 versus the greenback.
Meanwhile, the Japanese yen was languishing near a 32-year low of 152 versus the US dollar and was last seen trading at around 150.20 and was on track for its 10th straight weekly loss. The battered yen first weekend passed the symbolic 150 level on Thursday afternoon. And as a result, the Japanese Ministry of Finance on Friday intervened in the foreign exchange market to support the weakening yen for the second time this month. Japan has been attempting to shore up the battered yen as the Bank of Japan maintains its ultra-low interest rate policy, contrary to the global trend of tightening monetary policy that is widening the gap between the U.S., and Japanese interest rates. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets. And we start off as usual by looking at exchange rates. During the week under review, the Kenya shilling remained stable against major international and regional currencies. The Kenya shilling was trading at 121.11 versus the US dollar and 137.13 against the sterling pound, and 119.18 to the euro. Against the regional currencies, one Kenya shilling was changing hands for 31.54 Ugandan shillings, 19.26 Tanzanian shillings, and 8.81 Rwandese francs. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves remained adequate at 7.316 billion US dollars. That is equivalent to 4.13 months of import cover and is in line with the central bank's statutory requirement to maintain at least four months of import cover. Point to note, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have now dropped to the lowest level in seven years, a clear indication of reduced foreign funding compounded by faster growth in imports compared to exports. We also note the rapid decline in Kenya's foreign exchange reserves from a peak of $8.81 billion recorded at the beginning of this year to current levels, which is a decline of $1.49 billion in a period of just 10 months. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market decreased during the week as tax remittances exceeded and more than offset government payments. Commercial banks' excess reserves in relation to the 5.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 31.3 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate at 4.98% compared to 5.05% the previous week. During the week, the average value traded increased to 26.8 billion shillings from 16.1 billion shillings the previous week. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Wednesday, the 19th of October, and the central bank received bids totaling 28.3 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of 118%. However, out of the 28.3 billion shillings received, the central bank accepted only 22.48 billion shillings. 
Interest rates increased marginally but remained stable with the 91-day rate ticking up by four basis points to 9.10%, while the 182-day and 364-day rates remained unchanged at 9.66% and 9.92% respectively. In the primary bond market for the month of October, the central bank was looking to raise 20 billion shillings from the sale of a 25-year fixed-rate treasury bond whose auction was held on Wednesday, the 19th of October. The central bank received bids totaling 14.9 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 20 billion shillings, representing a performance of 74.5%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 13.6 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 14.18%. The central bank of Kenya has finally capitulated to investor demands for higher interest rates by accepting bids at a weighted average rate above 14%. This is happening at a time when the government is behind target on its borrowing program which seeks to raise about 860 billion shillings to plug the deficit for the current fiscal year. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the week under review, the equities market recorded a mixed performance with the NASI and NSC25 declining by 1.2% and 0.6% respectively, while the NSC20 gained 0.3%. However, their year-to-date performance remains negative with losses of 23% for the NERSI, 11% for the NSC20, and 17% for the NSC25. The market's performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as KCB Group, which fell 5.8%, and Safaricom, which decreased by 2.3%. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by banking stocks such as ABSA and Equity Group, which rose by 4% and 2.8% respectively. Meanwhile, market capitalization increased by 0.8%, whilst equity turnover declined by 68%. In the bond market, during the week and review, the bond turnover in the domestic secondary market declined by 21%. Whilst in the international market, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds increased by an average of 61 basis points, with the 2024 maturity increasing by 119 basis points. In mid-July, the yield on the 2024 maturity hit an all-time high of 22.04%. However, this has now retreated to about 17.3% compared to 16.4% that was recorded the previous week. And now a quick look at Kenya's national debt. According to the Central Bank of Kenya, total government debt as of June 2022 stood at 8.58 trillion shillings. And this was equally divided between domestic debt at 4.29 trillion shillings and foreign external debt at $36.58 billion, which is equivalent to 4.29 trillion shillings. 
Kenya's debt-to-GDP ratio now stands at 70%, which is 20% above the IMF's recommended threshold of 50% for developing countries. And now a look at the economic calendar for this coming week. On Wednesday, the 26th of October, China releases its gross domestic product for quarter three 2022. This was supposed to have been released last week, but was postponed due to the ongoing Communist Party Congress. China, being the second largest economy, will have an influence on the global economy, and investors will be watching closely to see how the Chinese economy has performed in quarter three. On Thursday, the 27th of October, the European Central Bank will be meeting to decide on interest rates for the Eurozone and, as usual, will release a short statement explaining its monetary policy decision to the markets. The European Central Bank is expected to continue raising rates to deal with escalating inflation in the Eurozone. On Thursday, the 27th of October, the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis will release the gross domestic product for quarter three 2022, which will give the markets a feel of the pace of growth in the United States and the prospects either for further rate hikes or the possibility of a slowdown leading to an economic recession. On Friday, the 28th of October, the Bank of Japan will meet to decide on interest rates and is widely expected to maintain its ultra-easy monetary policy, despite the fact that other major central banks are hiking rates, which is causing the yen to weaken sharply due to widening interest rate differentials. And now we look at the topical issue for this week which is on diaspora remittances from Saudi Arabia. The latest data on diaspora remittances shows that the inflow of remittances in the month of September 2022 totaled $318 million compared to $310 million in September 2021, an increase of 2.6%. The cumulative inflows for the 12 months to September 2022 totaled an astounding $4 billion compared to $3.53 billion for the same period in 2021, an increase of 13%. The strong inflow of remittances continues to support the country's current account as well as the Kenya shilling exchange rate. The United States remains the largest source of remittances into Kenya, accounting for 59% of total remittances in the month of September. Saudi Arabia has now overtaken the United Kingdom to become the second largest source of diaspora remittances, underlining the increased number of jobless Kenyans who are migrating to the Gulf nation. Remittances sent by Kenyans from Saudi Arabia amounted to nearly $27 million, that is equivalent to 3.3 billion shillings, in the month of September, which was a 63% increase compared to September 2021. Diaspora remittances from Saudi Arabia have been growing in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic that has left thousands of Kenyans jobless as local companies laid off their employees. This is despite the fact that Saudi Arabia has increasingly gained notoriety for the mistreatment of migrant workers.
And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. For your information, in addition to our usual audio directories, that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music, the Market Color Podcast is now also available on YouTube. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is jamuhuriG at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. And as usual, I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And until then, remember this. In the end, the only thing that really matters is how you made other people feel. Thank you and God bless.